0: time I hold you I begin to understand Everything about On this day in 1981, it was Roy Orbison Day in Odessa, Texas. The most distinctive voice in popular music, maybe apart from Pizza Terra or Shaggy. He was born in Vernon, Texas and attended Odessa Junior College in the mid-50s. Distinctive voice, emotional performances, timeless hits. I, I, I don't think a lot about Roy Orbison these days, Connor. Except when I hear him loud in my headphones like this, I go, unbeatable, huh? He has got a very distinctive voice, hasn't he? Just uh, unbeatable. You know, he's good. I just love it. What about you, Sue Bradford?
1: Oh, yeah, beautiful voice. Beautiful.
0: Yeah. Uh, and he's had a resurgence in popularity, too, in the late 80s regarding uh, his uh, music in the film Blue Velvet, leading to a renewed interest in uh, Roy Orbison. You're on the panel, uh, NZ National 26 to 5. As always, wonderful to have your company and uh, if you do happen to miss the panel, we are on iHeart, we are on Spotify and uh, Apple. Uh, if you are doing something else uh, and you can't get uh, to it live, uh, with the panel, uh, you can listen to it in other times. And we had quite a bit of response to Sue Bradford's I've Been Thinking, which is, why don't we, with all this talk, about this, uh, this, 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 this highway uh, through Norton providing so much problems regarding the stability of it, you know, the, the sides about to bulge and quite possibly have cracks in them. What, what on earth is wrong with restoring passenger rail? And with us now is Margaret. Hello, Margaret. Hello, Wallace. It is lovely to have you on the panel with us here.
2: Well, it's very nice to be talking to you, too.
0: Now, tell us about your and Rail story.
2: Well, I come from Dunedin, little old Dunedin. I'm in Christchurch now. But my husband suggested for our honeymoon that we go to Whangarei in the Bay of Islands. And in those days, you couldn't fly to Whangarei, so we took the plane to Auckland, And we caught the rail car to Wangarei and it was the most wonderful experience because the vegetation was so different for a start from little old Dunedin and it was relaxing and Wallace, we were the only party on the rail car.
0: OK, well, there's yes. an observation, Margaret, isn't it? And, look, <laughs> who needs to go to uh, Hawaii or Florida when you've got a Whangarei to go to? Tell me, what do you <laughs> think, what, te- what, was, what was the rail, what, what, what was the train trip like?
2: Well, it was lovely, and the rail cars were quite new in those days. Um, you know, I'd taken them from Wellington to Hawke's Bay, and, it, you know, they were quite a new experience, so it was lovely. And it's leisurely. Yes. And I've signed the petition to restore rail.
0: There we go. So you're in Sue Bradford's corner, at least on this particular issue. Sue, what do absolutely. you make Absolutely.
1: You... <laughs> oh, good on you, Margaret. I bet you're in my corner on a whole lot of other issues as well. Absolutely, you
2: are. absolutely am, Sue. I love to hear you talk. <laughs>
0: Connor, what do you think then? Margaret's here. Margaret went to... Margaret went um, on a honeymoon to Whangarei. Where else would you go? That's what I'd say. Well, that's <laughs> a great
2: place. Of too. Right. <laughs> Stay of islands too. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Connor? Well, it's a great
3: uh, part of the country. We went on a caravan oh. trip uh, there, oh, I don't know, about three years ago, and it was just a fantastic part of the country, so I can understand why people want to go there. But I love travelling on trains, so I like being on big trains. I just think that light rail in cities is a total waste of time in New Zealand, but Other than that, I think they're great.
0: Okay. Margaret, it's very nice to have you on the panel. Come again.
2: Well, thank you, Wallace. I always listen. Good.
0: (laughs) Lovely. All right, that's Margaret there, who was married in the late 50s, flew to Auckland, then took the rail car to uh, Whangarei. By the way, someone says there's an awesome song called the uh, Okaiho Express. Got to find that. It's 4.37, the panel RNZ National. It is nearly impossible for police to trace funds sent offshore or identify the criminal masterminds due to their remote locations and ability to hide identities online. A rather frank admission from Detective Inspector Chris Barry from Auckland's City CIB investigations. This comes at a time when many Kiwis have taken a financial hit due to being scammed or had a close call. Offshore scammers are estimated to be draining hundreds of millions of dollars from uh, New Zealand victims annually. There was uh, a bit just this afternoon in the paper uh, about a couple who who lost six hundred k between them to an offshore scammer. With us, Bronwyn Groot, an anti cybercrime consultant. Bronwyn kia ora.
4: Hi. How are you?
0: Good. What do you make of that admission uh, by uh, Detective Inspector Chris Barry? Do you buy it?
4: That's uh, pretty scary, really. When um, when they say that they're just going to shelve it, um, there's no point in looking for anything um, it it's already an easy crime for cyber criminals and this just um, really enforces that that yeah go for it we're not going to bother tracking you down
0: It's jurisdictional by its very nature though Bronwyn I mean imagine how difficult it is if your scammer is in some small town oh, I don't know let's say Goiche in Azerbaijan or wherever.
4: But you're, you're not asking the police to go over there, are you? You're asking them to follow the money. That's where it, it all comes down to. So if we just follow the money, there's a real person. There's going to be a real person at the end of that trail. And if it's just too easy to say, nah, it's left New Zealand, there's nothing we can do, that, is, that just doesn't fit with me.
0: Okay, Connor.
3: Uh, yeah, well, it's it, it is interesting. I mean, the criminals are masterminds, aren't they? And and you've got to um, be as smart or smarter to to uh, get on top of them. But you know, we brought in a whole anti money laundering regulatory regime not that long ago to stop anti money laundering. Uh, I'm, I'm just interested whether. Um, what what the obligations are on our banks with these scams because it just seems to me they're crucial in it and are they assisting police or are they saying mm. it's nothing to do with yeah. us? Uh, I'm just un- interested in how that relationship might work because they do know how to track money commercially so why wouldn't they know how to do it when people are stealing it through the yeah, same method? Very
0: good point, Bronwyn. I don't know. Uh,
4: yes, I mean, I think that the banks have to do have to do more, but I think there's always been this big thing about let's all work together, let's all get on the same table and, and make something happen, but what we're not seeing is that actually um, happen. It's just not, you know, everyone's just pointing the finger at everyone else and going around in circles, and um, the only person who's getting away scot-free is the offenders.
0: Sue? So,
1: well, it, I, this is clearly not an area I'm an expert in, but I... A, I can understand why trying to track scammers who are based in Nigeria or Russia could be difficult for our police force, which isn't to say that they shouldn't act. My understanding is that they do try to act, um, but are limited outside this country. But the other thing I think is really good that's happening at the moment is the massive amount of public education, at least that I've seen Mm. through media, um, warning ordinary people who aren't necessarily that, um, up with the play on cybercrime or, or the potentials of scams. Just we're getting constant education about what to watch out for, and I think that's so good. Like, right down into the precise details. Like, this chap has a British accent. He's very good at conning you um, about investments. Yeah. Or, or don't click on any links um, that come from... Um, NZTA, like those sort of very yes. precise um, educational tools, don't click on anything I send them you, to my
0: family actually when they come through yeah, yeah those w- warnings. Yeah uh, because
1: because a lot of people aren't that computer literate and are fooled and are scammed and it's terrible but the more yeah. each person can learn and we can help other people in our families as well um, to, to try and avoid this um, and that to me seems the best answer.
0: Bronwyn, can I just actually come back Mm. to what uh, Connor was saying and actually the bank's role in this because um, uh, Detective Inspector Barry did say that they are dedicated to investigating financial crime, but it is up to the banks to track stolen money offshore and to invest in security. And there's been some uh, questions asked around whether or not um, our banks here in New Zealand are doing sufficient
4: Look, I think that they are trying. They're definitely trying, and they're just getting absolutely hammered um, by by the scammers on all fronts. I think. Um, I I recently looked at my security on my bank and uh, instigated like two factor authentication on everything, so that if uh, someone hacks my bank account and Tries to send money overseas, then I'll get notifications and stuff like that. So I'm certainly using my bank's security to the best that I can. Um, but I do think that there is more that can be done.
0: Okay, and in fact, you yourself, um, Roman, you're working on you work on some pretty high pri um, not high profile, rather uh, some big cases, uh, including uh, working with a client who lost more than. $1 million last year.
4: One, yeah, $1 million, and it was absolutely crazy, and the police said, look, there's nothing we can do. Now, the interesting thing with this one is it went to one bank account. Just you know, Normally they're split, the payments are split and go to lots of different bank accounts, but this one went to one bank account, and luckily for me, or for the customer even, um, we filed a complaint through IC3, which is FBI's online reporting tool, and um, Homeland Security have picked that case up, so they're working, working closely with the client.
0: Bronwyn, so so yeah. that can be done. Okay, yeah, understood. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kia ora, Bronwyn. thank you for your time. That's Bronwyn Group, them an anti cyber crime consultant. Not, need, need, needless to say, so um, absolutely ruinous if uh, you do click on a link. Next minute, you've got be at Ten, thirty, forty thousand dollars out of your account.
1: If you've got it in there. Uh, if you've got it in there, <laughs> yes. Not all, not all right. of us do. <clears throat> no,
0: absolutely fair enough. F- Sixteen to five. Uh, the panel, with this constant dreary, wet weather, let me ask you this: Have you had a slip? Because it can be serious if you do. I have a real fear of slipping. Well, ACC are reminding Kiwis to stay safe outdoors over winter with an increase in falls, trips, and slips. July is the most dangerous month. Over a third of all annual claims are for slips and trips and falls. Annual cost, get this, $1.4 billion. ACC Injury Prevention Lead is James Wira. Kia ora, James.
5: Hey kia ora. Thanks for having us.
0: Pleasure. It's something so innocuous, isn't it? You don't even think about it. But it's a slippery tile in that bathroom. It's a moss-covered slab in the bathroom. So easy, but it can be potentially are uh, quite life-changing.
5: Yeah, yeah, injuries don't just impact on the injured person too. You know, they can have slowing effects for their friends, mm. their their workmates, their family, lots of other people as well. And we don't want them to happen. You don't have to be scared, you know. You should go out there and do all the things you love or, or need to do. But um, just be mindful, you know. Slow down a little bit, have a hymn, think things through, and you can probably be injury-free. So if you apply that to, you know... Going out, getting, getting to where you need to go on an icy day, just yeah. think about the path you're going to take first. Avoid anything that could be slippery and, and make the most of the things like handrails on that. You know, they're there for a purpose, so use them.
0: I uh, that's, That seems so common sense, Connor, um, but in fact it's surprising when we do do go down the steps, even just three or four steps, you don't use a handrail. Next minute, oh, I didn't realise it was so slippery. Have you had yeah. a fall, Connor, li- yeah. Connor English? Have you had a fall? Uh
3: well fortunately no no I haven't, but uh not not on steps. I yeah. but I have in the in the in the bush sort of slipping down a mm. slippery slope and fell flat on my back and I think I cracked a rib or something. So it is it, it can have oh. a big impact, particularly it's on the better. elderly actually. You know, yeah. often older people when they have a fall it can be a bit of a turning point for them. But but um as you know, Wallace Wellington's weather's been so good. We don't have to worry about this so much um, this year anyway. Yeah, how
0: do you do it? But i tell you what, <laughs> those, those those tiles uh, on Lambton Quay, they can be pretty slippery. Um, I recall my Wednesday uh, afternoon in, in Wellington for 10 years, God, and I had to be careful. Sue Bradford, what about you?
1: Oh, I've had a couple of bad falls in my life. And I, I really take that advice um, that James has said, you know, about I can see what happened in both cases was not paying attention, moving too quickly. Right. I'm, I've got that tendency to rush things, like to go really hard out. And if you yep. put that into physical action, whether it's running along a street or going down a slope or whatever, if you're not thinking about what you're doing, disaster can strike. So yeah, yeah that mindfulness
5: not to, to multitask. You nailed it there. So- you know, don't be on your phone while you're getting from A to B, you know, either be on your phone and stop walking, etc. Or, Mm. you know, do it the other way around. Kia ora. Keep walking (laughs) and then take the phone call.
0: (laughs) I was quite stunned by the cost of annual claims. A third of all annual claims are for slips, trips, etc. 1.4 billion dollars, a lot of money, James.
5: Yeah, it is. And a lot of that's preventable as well. Mm. You know, so to avoid slips and trips, especially at this time of year over July and August, you know, they're the big months. Think about the path you're going to take, make sure it's clear of any trip or slip hazards, be a little bit more cautious than you usually would be, and wear, you know, the right footwork. Foot, you know, the footwear matters too. It's not the time of year for jandals, you know, put on some proper shoes that match what you're trying to do. Not the you're crocs. Farm, wear yeah. your gummies, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> It's simple stuff, eh? And we
0: can all do it. So, nice good. Yeah, very good, James Keown. Thank you very much for that uh, reminder. There, ACC Injury Prevention Lead uh, James uh, Whitaker. Uh, my bank sends me a confirmation text with a number code to enter before my online transaction. Seems like an easy way to prevent someone transferring money if they did manage to log into my account. I wonder why all banks don't. Offer uh, the service and a bit of a treat for you if you stay with us. We are going out on the uh, uh, the song so legendary is Pat was passenger out to Northland. There was a song about it, and it's called the Orkayho Express. We on the panel. We'll play that uh, very, very shortly. Uh, You are with the panel. We have Sue Bradford uh, and Connor English with us. And just a reminder there that we are also available on iHeart, on Spotify and on Apple because many people just can't get around to listening to the panel live. And to this, over the weekend, uh, an 8-year-old and 11-year-old got lost and spent an unexpected night in the the Southland Bush. They were camping with their family and went off playing, going a bit too far to find their way back. And this week, a man was found alive after 10 days in the bush. So how would you go surviving in the bush? I thought a timely reminder for us to just uh, get up to speed with what we might need to know if we do get in situation. the situation. Survival expert Stu Gilbert is the founder of SOS Survival Training. Kia ora, Stu. Uh, good
6: afternoon
0: when do you suggest people start talking with kids about bush survival?
6: Um, well, it's, it's, it's a discussion that obviously needs to happen before uh, prior to going into the bush. So um, it's part of your planning and preparation that needs to be um, discussed. And part of that discussion point, of course, would include um, the what ifs. You know, what if I'm lost? What if this happens? And, um, you know, what well, you've got time on your side and you're in... Uh, clear um, thought process and not under stress because you've lost someone, Um, it's better to have those discussions prior to heading out into the wilderness.
1: Let's go around the panel. Sue Bradford. I got lost in the bush for a bit when I was a kid with a friend and um, we we were fine, but it taught me a lesson like that. I, I always was aware after that of how scary and dangerous a New Zealand bush is. So both in my own life and with my children, I guess I've always been very cautious and um, careful around gosh um, around the bush. Was it a, a few hours? What was it? Uh, just a couple of hours, but long enough it's that sense of not knowing where you are, what to do, where mm. to go. Oh not just and, and when you're only young, it has a really big impact. Well, it would have a big impact on anyone, but that affected me a lot. And so from then on, hyper-aware and being very careful with my own five children. We, we'd love to go walking in the bush, but um, just real... Just be careful, and and this sort of advice is wonderful and and good on those kids and that family. They yeah. obviously train their children well.
0: Interesting story there, Stu. And uh, as uh, Sue says, uh, even just a few hours lost in the bush, it can it, if it happens when you're young, it can stay with you.
6: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, traumatic uh, event for like like Sue said, like for anybody. And um, you know, you don't you don't want to be facing your you know survival for the first time, real time, and. Um, but, you know, we've got lots of cases that occur um, throughout the year and, you know, maybe we need to take stock and actually, um, you know, use those as, as some lessons learnt and um, about how, you know, how we can prevent it happening. So, I mean, for those young kids, you know, one of their discussion point needs to be had and, and um, like, a simple thing like a whistle, um, although, you know, give those a whistle to a young kid, they want to blow it all the time, but if you stress the fact that it's only to be used in emergency, so... If you look around, you can't see or hear anybody. Um, you're going to get your child to blow that whistle, and you're going to ah. make sure they stay put. And um, if, by staying put, of course, we reduce the area to be searched, and ultimately, rescuers can find that person quicker. Oh, that's um, such
0: good advice. Stay put, Connor English. Uh, yeah, well, yeah.
3: look, it's it's wonderful being in nature, and we're we're so blessed here in New Zealand with with the natural bush and resources that we've that we've got. Um but yeah, you're right. You do you do need to have a few um well, just an awareness, don't you? And like our kids went to, to Cubs and Brownies and they learnt some sort of basics there and then we sort of watched a bit of old uh, Man versus Wild or what's his name, Bear mm-hmm. Grills on T V. Yeah. Um and you know, so of learned how to do sort of some simple simple things. And I think it can be the difference between life and death, can't it? Because if you get caught out badly, um you know, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble, can you? Have, have you have you been lost at all, Connor? Uh, I have been lost, uh, but just for, you know, like just going off the track a bit, and and then not sure which way to go back. But the the number one rule I always followed was head head for a creek or a river, and, and you know go down the gully because uh, it always comes out somewhere. Um, you know, in New Zealand we're lucky because we you can, you've got a coast eventually, haven't you, so, you-
2: um
6: yeah, I mean that's, um, and I've, I've had that advice uh, too, you know, as, as a youngster. But um, of course, it may, may encourage kids to find that river and and to, um, you know, head head down it um, as well. But you know, key identifying maybe some key um, yeah, features or reference points um, within the mm-hmm. area that you're, you're going, especially if it's a, a camping site, is is maybe you know you can venture off, but uh, here's your boundaries. Yeah. This, this is when you need to be back. And then uh, look, if you do get lost, stay put and remember this hut or remember this corner or remember that stream i want you to go there
0: oh great advice um,
6: just creates um a little bit of certainty about what the child what we think the child might do because we've told them to do that and um and you know ultimately that's uh hopefully provide a little bit of reassurance that um you know, if everyone's doing the right things, uh, we have a successful outcome.
0: Stu Gilbert, the survival expert, founder of SOS Survival Training. Kia ora, Stu. Uh, five to five, uh, uh, a few minutes before our checkpoint with Alisa Owen. Finally, I want to get to this. Yesterday on the panel, Ali Jones called out employers for not letting people work from home, saying, Those demanding we work from the office five days a week, that's gender discrimination it led to a discussion on how do we
4: split the household chores. We make a rod for our own back. That's what I'm looking for. And the reason is I would rather clean the toilet because I know I'm going to do a good job. I do think that's a part of it as well. but yeah. Oh, hell yeah. You're kidding me. Oh, God, no. I'd rather do it myself and have it done properly.
0: Well, one listener texted in Have you heard of weaponized incompetence? Here's the definition weaponized incompetence is a behavior pattern where one partner leads to be bad, pretends to be bad at simple tasks to get out of shared responsibility. Here's some text. Uh, I think it's incredibly discriminatory and presumptuous, Wallace, to state that men, husbands are the experts at weaponized incompetence. My wife and consequently both daughters are serial practitioners of this type of incompetence around the panel. Shall we start with Connor English? Connor, <laughs> do you pretend at being bad at something so well, you can get out of it?
3: Well, I think we're all a wee bit guilty uh, of, of that. And I think it does cut both ways uh, in a relationship too. You know, like my wife is uh, weaponized incompetent at changing tires. And um, in our early, when we first uh-huh. got married, I was, you know, and incompetent in cooking. So, um, whereas now I love cooking, so yeah, I think I think we're all guilty of it, to be honest.
0: Okay, did you hear that, Sue? So um, Connor has used uh, weaponised incompetence over his uh, marital (laughs) life (laughs) with discretion. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. (laughs)
3: Sue Bradford.
1: Well, I this time agree with everything Connor said. I mean, (laughs) I I I just think that it's very tough. Tough negotiations and relationships, and relationships only last um, if we work these things out. And I grew up in a Mm. very gender split way, so didn't learn a lot of them. Male jobs, and you know, when you when you grow up in this gender split way, you you know, I'm not good at changing. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm no different than Connor's wife or partner um, and so I just think yeah you work your way through this um, and it changes through your life like Connor just said he learned how to cook well we, we can learn new jobs so being yeah. aware that the coffee table doesn't clean itself one of us has to clean, what clean up what about, what about, uh, but, what? but just having those gentle neg- in a way it's a, it's a lifelong, I've been in a, a marriage for over 40 years now and it's sort of like a lifelong negotiation about who does what and I'm quite happy that Bill goes out and does some of those outside jobs that I'm actually not physically capable of, um, that I do more of, the, of, of something else. And that's fair enough. We're both helping out. We're both keeping the household going.
0: I kind of want to hear more, actually. That's the <laughs> truth. <to> forty years.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, there's, there's the opposite too, isn't it? There's weaponised competence where you, you know, do a really good job so that you can do it again.
0: I have much mo- I have many more questions from both of you actually many more I wish i could keep going but here we have finally the uh, Kaho Express very good Sue Bradford, Connor English thanks for your time I'm back to my 345
2: the you, the week. there's puppies in an apple box Pippies in a sack. Light in the oak, I how express, but no one knows the difference when they're dripping.